Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. God bless all of you. All right. Well, I don't have any ribs, baby back ribs, and I don't have Michael Jordan sneakers. But what I do have, I give it on to you, man. And uh, I got the goods. I got the Lord. I got Jesus. And I'm going to give you some tonight. Let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, and we give you thanks for your goodness, your love, and once again, the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. We know that your word says that where two or more are gathered, there you are in the midst. And we will not tire. We will not grow weary of quoting your scripture and hanging on to your truths and your goodness, Lord God. We are not quitters, Father God. We strive towards your heavenly call, Father. And there is no such thing as people who quit, but only those who stop trying, Lord. And we will always rise up and persevere to hear your word, to do your word, and to listen to your word, Father God. And to cling on to the things that are true, the things that are everlasting which is your solid word, the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've come here tonight to hear that word so that we will not only be hearers but doers of that word, Father. I pray that you will bless every heart in here tonight. Bless every person that has come to hear what you have for them here, Lord. That it will not be I speaking but you speaking through me, Lord God. I give you thanks. And all the glory and honor goes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you heard, our pastor is out of town. He's in Virginia. And he had said that he was going to take the month of March off so that he can rest. Which, knowing him, that month he'll probably work harder than every other, every other month in the year. Because he's all the time. And that's what happens when you love the Lord and you are about God's business. When you're about your father's business, he will not let you rest. Because this season that we're in here now. As Christians, life is but a vapor. It is a short time, and the harvest is so much. There's so much to do for God. And when you are engaged in the business and the affairs of the Lord, it's never-ending. Man, your life is never boring. We, me and my wife, we always tell people that we, we counsel. We don't stop, and it's awesome. We love it. But at the same time, you know, we, we're doing God's work, and, and these are the best times of our life. Looking back. Serving the Lord has been the best times of my life, and it's been as long as I've been saved, right? And so, although it's not March yet, um, he put me off here as lead-off batter to end the month tonight. And as he's out in a pastor's conference, let's keep him in your prayers that he will come back renewed, refreshed, restored, and that God will just impart a mighty word into his heart so that he can bring back to us here in Miami. Amen? Amen. Let's go right quick. Let's start off with Romans um, chapter 8, verse 10. it says, and if in Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. We have Christ in us. And once Christ is in you, your whole body is dead. Why? Because of sin. And the spirit is life. And it's because of righteousness. And tonight I'm going to speak to you about two different groups. 
And, you know, I was meditating on this word for the past couple weeks before the past. And I was thinking, Lord, am I going to share this with the married couples group? I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. Am I supposed to share this with my 6 to 12-year-olds in youth group? I don't know. That doesn't make sense there either. Now I know what the word was for, and it was for tonight, Wednesday night. So although we don't have a full house, I know that whoever's here, it's for you. Trust me, because he has really pierced my heart with this word, and it's going to be an amazing word. I hope you receive it, listen to it, grab it, embrace it. And it's about two groups of people, and I think it's going to help us out tremendously. It says, the thing is, remember, I want you to look back and try to remember the first time before you were a Christian. Now, don't remember your sin and all the junk that God, you know, but remember the first time that you walked into a church. Try to remember when you first got saved. That's the first group that I want to talk to you tonight about. And the second group is all of you. The Christians, the seasoned Christians, most of us, right? The ones that have been around, have heard the truth, have accepted Christ, and that are walking according to his will, his purpose, and truth. Now, when we first came to Christ, we didn't know the lingo. We, we, we didn't know the people. Everything was strange and foreign. Can you remember that? Try to think. Some of us have been Christian for so long, we forgot. And a seasoned Christian is involved in God's works, as I was saying, serving one another, not easily angered, one who is quick to listen and slow to speak. You know, all of you, the seasoned Christians, right? Well, these are the two groups of people that we're going to talk about. Let's talk about the first group, the new Christians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. This is good stuff. This is, I, I, this is going to be a blessing. It says, babes in Christ... Brand new believers, right? Let's go to, let's read that. First Corinthians. I can't see that screen, so I'm going to go to my scripture. It says here. Three. And I, brethren, right, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you were not able to receive it. And even now, you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? When you, were first, when you first came to the Lord and you were a baby Christian, the Bible calls you babes in Christ. And that, that means you're a brand new believer. You, have, you, you haven't come to the full measure of, of the Lord yet. And I want to try to bring us back to that because we need to remember that. And I think that if we do, we can be more effective on reaching the lost and the new people that show up here into this house. Some of us forget where we came from and how we showed up to church. And I have several examples, but I just want to elaborate first on that, on that point. <clears throat> Imagine trying to give, let's see, Who's a baby here that we all know? Nicole. Imagine, well, maybe that's a bad example because she, she eats, right? Nicole, I've seen her eat. Um, huh? Okay, Daisy's baby, Javier. Imagine trying to give that kid a churraco. He'll probably want to eat it. He'll, he'll look at it, but he can't because he doesn't have teeth yet. He can't chew it. He's a baby. 
So what do you got to do? You got to get the bottle and boom, give him his milk because that's all he's able to receive, right? The thing is, guys, listen to me. We're going out there, passing out flyers. We're preaching the gospel. We've done so many outreaches. We've given food to the poor for many years in, in downtown. We've given bottles of water, all kinds of outreaches. And then when the new people come here to the house of God, broken, distraught, with that look on their face, man, we're like, ah, we attack. And that poor person, when they walk into the foyer and they get greeted, and by the time they come into the sanctuary, before they get to the cafeteria to eat lunch, they've heard 50,000 verses, they've gotten 40 sermons, and they've been told how to dress 40 different ways. We need to receive the people into the house of God with love. We need to understand that they are babes in Christ. They haven't even had their first scoop or their first bite of churraco yet. We haven't given them the steak yet. We haven't, they haven't been able to even digest the milk. Let them have the milk. Let's burp them. Let them digest it. And let them get used to the, we're talking about, because when I was in the world, and the, and the guy's looking at you like, what does that mean? I don't even know what the world means. What are you talking about? What do you mean world? We, we forget, right? And so we have to be sensitive to the new people that are coming in here. And we have to be, use wisdom to the people that walk into this house, right? And so what happens is these are brand new, brand new. Remember you when you walked in. Right. Let's go to this example. Let's go to John chapter four. Um, chap- yeah, John chapter four, verses five through twenty-six. And we're not going to read them all. I'm going to paraphrase. We're going to skip through it. But this is just one of the many examples to see Christ's example, how he treated the Samaritan woman who met her Messiah. And we see here a woman of Samaria came. I'm going to verse seven. A woman of Samaria, Samaria, came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Let's skip down to verse 13. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. I love this verse, right? But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, Give me this water that I may not thirst nor come near here to draw. 16, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Now watch this, the clincher, right? Jesus said to her, you have, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. Now, Let's, take, let's pause for a minute there and, and understand something. People come in. They're new. You know, like when we did. They've been through divorce. They've been bankrupt, sick, issues. Do we look at them like, ooh, I'm not going to hang out with you. I'm not going to talk to you. Or, no, I'm not going to give you a chance. Or do we, you know, want them to already look, act, and look, act, and speak like us from one day to the next? Think about that, right? So then Jesus was saying in verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And then Jesus said to her, you have no husband, for you have had five. Verse 19, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
If not, he, how would he know, right? Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, verse 21, when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The hour is coming where the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. I love that illustration. I love that scripture, the Samaritan woman, because she meets her Messiah. She meets her Savior. He spoke to her the truth. He told her who she was. He let her know, yeah, it's true. You've been married five times, and the guy that you're with now, you're not even married to him. But he gave her the opportunity to meet. He says, I speak to you now in spirit and in truth. I see there that he had compassion on her. He actually spoke with her. He didn't just turn his back and walk away. He didn't treat her terrible or bad. But he told her what he needed to tell her, but with a lot of love. And the Samaritan woman met her Messiah. And she was new. And she was hurting and lost. And Jesus said to her, I am he who can... I, he said, I who speak to you am he, the Messiah. I am he. I am the Christ. So what is he saying to that woman right there? He's saying, I'm the one that you have water that you'll never thirst again. I am the one that you need to drink of. I'm giving you the opportunity. So that's what we need to offer here is hope, truth to the people that walk in here. That's what we need to give them. We don't need to whip out the scroll of <laughs> do's and don'ts because they're going to, ah, it's overwhelming. So we need to see how Christ treated these new people and how he confronted them. We shouldn't forget the woman with the issue of blood either. Let's go to Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 through 22. A woman healed. And suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, 12 years this woman was hurting. We're not talking about a month or a week, 12 long years. She spent everything she had on doctors trying to get better. 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of, the gar of Jesus' garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. He called her daughter. Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. Imagine this woman for 12 years couldn't figure out what her health issue was. She had heard about a mighty holy man out in the city of wherever, healing and, and, and blessing people. And nobody even, I can imagine, nobody wanted to even be around her because she was sick. She was bleeding. You think a man would want to be with her? No way. So this woman wasn't right. Nobody probably wanted to, only the doctors, the bloodsuckers, the one that wanted to take her money, literally. And that's only the people that she can draw attention to. So she had to force her way through the crowd. The Bible says she had to force her way in there. And she was desperate. She was trying to do whatever she can 
to just get her healing. Her faith was all there. We can do a whole preaching on just that woman. But my point to you tonight is, again, going back to that first group of people that I want to emphasize on you tonight, is that she said, I'm going to do whatever it takes if I can only touch the hem of his garment. I know that I'm going to be healed. And she was able to touch it. And what happened? He called her daughter. He loved on her from boom, from the, from the moment that he, that he met her and that he talked to her. For, he called her daughter. He embraced her with that type of attitude. Now, why is it that people come here and all of a sudden we're saying to ourselves, listen, and you start giving them the whole third degree and, and you're telling them 100 things. And, man, these people haven't even gotten saved. That's happened to me. That I have found myself preaching to somebody and telling them a million verses and telling them how to live their life and how to dress and how to act. And I forgot about asking them, have you accepted Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior? Hello, step number one. How can we get to A, B, C, D, E, F, G if we haven't even done A, B, C? We're skipping a very important factor. They took off our cross. The cross is what it's all about, right? The cross, guys. Jesus is the answer. Let's go back to the basics. When I used to work out and I was into sports, um, anytime there was a, an injury or anything along those lines and people would come to me for me to help them to get in shape or to, you know, eat right, I would not get back then in my time there wasn't those medicine balls with those rubber band things and all these weird exercises it was the basics made a slap on the weights and let's do bench press and this and the basics i take them to the basics because it what works eat right stay away from the sugar stop eating the donuts at night and the bowl of lucky charms at 12 o'clock midnight my friend stay away from the coke and the sugar, and then maybe we'll start getting, I'm preaching to myself right about now, and then maybe we can get into shape. The basics. Basics always works. In Matthew 7, it talks about the foundation. It says, if you have a foundation that is solid, it's a solid ground, and it's a rock, you can build a solid foundation. It will not move. The winds will come, the storm will blow, but it will not fall. But if you build it on the sand, you're here trying to tell these person, this new person all these rules and the do's and don'ts, what is their foundation? They have none. Their foundation is all they know is they got an issue. It could be an issue of blood. It could be that they've had five husbands. It could be many issues. We don't know. But before we can tackle those issues, they need to come to the cross. And so let's not assume that just because a person is sitting up here in church. Man, I've had another thing, a surprising thing happen before is that Many Sundays, and the same person, a family, for instance, and they're there, they're there, and all of a sudden, six months into it, we give an altar call. And we, let's say we hadn't given an altar call to accept Jesus into their heart as their Savior. And that person is like, if you have never accepted Jesus, has that ever, have you ever noticed that? If you have never accepted, that happened to me in youth group the other day. This girl has been coming and coming, and she, her parents don't come here, and she's been invited by a neighbor. And we've been giving some dynamic messages and she's been enjoying her time with the kids but I said man I don't even know if this girl has sa is saved have we even talked to this girl Suleika and she's like I don't know I'm like I'm gonna do enough sure enough what is it that she look you know when everybody close your eyes and bow your heads they all do but then always one takes a peek 
and she raised her hand. And she accepted Jesus for the first time. Can you imagine? Oh, I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. We can't assume. We have to get to that place before we bombard people <laughs> and start, you know, Jesus. We're forgetting the basics. The basics will never fail you, right? Amen. Am I preaching to anybody tonight? I, I'm talking to myself, guys. We really need to get this under control. And that's how we're going to change the world. This is, in fact, the message tonight is world-changing church. If we're going to be a world-changing church, man, we got to get the heart of the person and bring it to the cross. And don't try to flip the scripture or try to add an extra or paraphrase a little too much because then we're going to undo what works. The basics, the scripture, we don't need to change it up. Just say it how it is. The truth is the truth. It will never do you wrong. Amen? So, he didn't shun this woman, the issue of blood. He gave her the time of day. Man, we, we see so many sick, broken, hurting, poor people. And now, and sometimes we're like, yuck, get away. And, some, you know, and the question I have for you tonight is, and it's a challenge, did you forget where you came from? Man, not everybody comes from a Christian home and born in a nice family. I know I wasn't. And, man, when I walked into youth group, well, I got saved in a small neighborhood church. And it was just, you know, God bless that church. That's where I accepted Jesus for the first time because I was desperate. I knew I needed something. And so I walked into this church, and it was full of elderly people. And, and I accepted Christ. But when I came to the youth group for the first time, and I saw that there was actually kids out there my age that loved the Lord, and they were on fire for God, I'm like, hallelujah. I'm like, this, I didn't even know this existed, man. This is, like, awesome. And we would all gather on 102nd and Bird. We didn't fit. It was packed. And, and you know, we had our pastor with, with the tight jeans and the beeper flipped inside out with the white sneakers and, and the polo. I, I could say that because he's not here. And we're talking about the early 90s, man. He had it going on. And it was, like, there with his guitar, but the anointing, the power of God. I can tell you that's when I met the Lord and I was able to have that turning point in Christ. And I was able to understand the gospel and understand God's people. And I knew that there was others like me that were out there hurting. But not everybody comes from that background. And, man, a lot of us now that are starting off our families are able to give that to our kids, the Christian home, Christian background. And we come broken. We came lost. We came hurting. And I remember how I came and how people would grab me and tell me all kinds of things in the church. Boy, I heard it all as a new believer. But I would listen to it because I knew I needed, you know. And the thing is, now, as we're older and serving the Lord for 17, 18 years and have been through so many things in the Lord, now we've grown up a bit. Now we have wisdom. Now we have understanding. Now we know to look at the lost through the lens of Christ. Look at the lost through the lens of compassion, understanding. Don't worry, we're going to get to the second group soon. That's you guys. Once you've come to the knowledge of the truth, once you've heard 100 messages, you don't even need to hear more than one message in this church, boy. You hear one message and that's enough. It's either shape up or ship out. You know what I'm saying? That's how we do it here. But I'm saying the newer people, the ones that are still drinking milk, man, that's not for you. Can I just say that tonight? If you are brand new and you've just come to the Lord, there is a grace period for you. And even if you've come to the Lord and you've messed up, 
70 times 7 we forgive. God knows, thank God for me, the leaders that I have had in my life, I, I've had, you know, them tell me, all right, I guess that's it then. If that's what it is, and I've had people stand up for me and say, no, that's not it. That's not what God has for you. And, man, thank God, because if that wasn't the case, where would the marriage ministry be today? And so in my own life, I could tell you about God's compassion, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's goodness in my life. But there has to be a time where we need to grow up too. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 8. I'm reminded of this scripture as well where this is super powerful. Chapter, um, John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. And this is good stuff. Again, another woman. These women, I'm telling you, they're amazing women in the Bible. It says here, the adulterous woman, right? Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Imagine Jesus is hanging out, and this woman is caught cheating on her husband, and they brought her to Jesus. And when they had, her, they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. I mean, this wasn't that we weren't sure, or maybe this is what they said. No, they busted her. She was busted. They got her. They got, got her in the do. And now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. That was the payment back then. They'll kill you. They'll stone you to death right there. But what do you say, Jesus? So he was being tried. They were telling him, hey, Jesus, what are you going to do about it? You know, they reminded him, hey, the law says when we, if somebody does this, he's a stoner, stoner, right? What do you say? And Jesus right there, if it would have been anybody else, everybody, we got to stone her. Because if we don't stone her, they're going to stone me for saying no. But no. This they said, testing him. It says they were testing him. That they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stopped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as, he, as though he did not hear what they were saying. It's almost like as he was just ignoring them. He was like, ah, whatever, say what you want. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, Who is without sin among you? Let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he, st he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it, being convicted by, the, by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised up himself, he raised himself up and saw no one but the woman. He said to her, woman, where are those people that are accusing you? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. If someone walks in here or we're sharing with someone in the grocery store, Walmart, you know, Publix, wherever it is that we go, or neighbor, somebody, and you're looking at them and, oh, look at this person, how they live their life. They're nasty. I don't even want to talk to them. I don't want to hang out with them. I don't want to be around them. I don't even want to preach to them because we have gotten so, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. My house is in order. I got my family. 
we're all good now. And we forgot that, man, that's how we used to be, some of us. That's what we used to look like. We used to be like that. And now we have gotten so religious and so caught up into ourselves that we don't even want to talk to people like that. We don't even want to give them the time of day. They smell. They stink. They're, they're nasty. They're sinners. I'm better than them. And you know that's how sometimes we come across. I've had non-believers tell me once they confess to me that whatever, that, that yeah, I'll listen to what you have to say. And then once we become friends and they see what we're all about, they have confessed to me. They say, Joey, you know, the thing is, is man, at first... I felt ashamed. I felt embarrassed because of my sin. And because your life appeared so perfect, I was embarrassed to tell you about my issues and my sin because it was almost like as if you had this attitude that you were better than me. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I, 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 that wasn't my intention, man. You know? And so I've learned. The thing is, I've learned because let's not forget where we come from. Let's not forget where, who you were and where you were before you came to the God's truth and before you came to the Lord. And so let's go to another example in Mary Magdalene, huh? How can we do this and not talk about her? In Mark chapter 16, verse 9, Mary Magdalene. This is amazing. Now, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven demons. She was demon-possessed, Mary Magdalene. She was a prostitute. A prostitute. And the Bible says that she never left Jesus' side. She was like one of the closest people to Jesus. She was there when he was crucified. He came to her first. Mary Magdalene became a tremendous woman of God because he, he had forgiveness for her. He came to rescue the sick. He came to heal the sick, not, not the, 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 the ones that are not sick. He came to serve, not to be served. That's the master, the Messiah that we serve. That's why we're all here tonight. It's about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about our church. It's not about um, any of that, how much we have or what we look like. It's about Jesus, right? And so... Mary Magdalene, man, she, she was amazing. It says that she would even have seizures because of her demons, of how messed up this woman was. But Jesus gave her the time of day. Again, he didn't shun her. He, he healed, he touched her. Again, we're reminded about the leper. Remember that? Nobody wanted to be around the leper. Jesus healed the leper. And people, were, you know, back then I was super contagious, man. And he healed the leper. And so I have been out in the street doing a lot of evangelism and I've gone to the homeless before and I've seen you know homeless that the man hasn't taken a bath in many weeks it smelled terrible it was bad and I've had to you know I remember I was I wasn't even married yet I was we were in youth group and we were out in the grove and we had split up into groups and we used to do that to coconut grove and we used to minister we used to evangelize and I think it was me and a couple guys I forget who it was, and we went, and the guy was so touched. He was saying, yeah, I used to be a Christian, and, I, and my father was a pastor. And most of these guys, you'd be amazed that they usually come from those types of backgrounds. The devil wants to come and take their calling, man. And some of them, he does, he does win, the devil, right? But we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. 
If we're here tonight and listening to this message, it's because God has a plan for you, right? And we're here by the grace of God. But this man, I remember that night perfectly, and that was a crossroads for me because those of you who know me know that I don't like germs. I'm one of those cleanliness, germ-free kind of guys. I'm like very, like when my kids were born, I didn't let anybody into my house for like a month until the second one. I was like, don't worry, I got over it. But I'm a germ freak. And the guy was so touched and so impacted by the message of the gospel, he wanted to give me a hug. <laughs> Lord. And so I gave him a hug back. And, boy, it was, it was one of those tough moments in my life as a Christian. But after that, man, I, I, I began to weep with the man. And I saw that it was Christ. Only Christ can allow me to do something like that. And I realized the love of Christ at that moment. It was one of those moments that it was between me and God. He knows what I'm talking about. But that was one of those hard moments in my Christian walk. And I know that although maybe in the outer appearance, sometimes we don't smell like that man. But in our spirit, how sometimes we show up here, we smell like that man. Even though we don't smell like that man, we smell like that man. And a lot of times there's people that come with this spirit. I am reminded of Jose Medeiros. As the youth, when he first showed up here, had his hair was colored. He had his hair dyed, contact lenses. And we were out in a, on a retreat, and, and that song, Hey, Magdalena. Dun, dun, dun. And, and he, we caught him dancing the Magdalena. He was brand new. And we would all make fun of him. Nobody wanted to be around him. The youth, this was the kids, and I was one of them, and we were, ha, huh? Jose Medeiros, you know, he was one of those guys, oh, here he comes, walk, get away. That's how we were with him, because he smelled, he stunk spiritually. And that was wrong on our part as kids. We did the wrong thing, and we were sorry now, but I'm just telling you an example on Jose Medeiros, but when he came to the Lord, and we started to embrace Medeiros, and we started to see him for who he was, and the Lord started to transform him. Now I can't get enough of Jose Medeiros. I wish I can take him home with me. Every time I see him, I want to hug him and I want to be with him. I don't want to leave his side. You know, and I respect him as a pastor now. And so, but I'm saying, when he first walked in, that's how he walked in. That's what he looked like. And that's how some of us, I look like that. I remember it, it, when I first walked in, I thought I was just strong. Hey, I'm Mr. Cool. Man, the Lord took that away from me quick. I was slammed quick. I got knocked off my high horse fast. And then I realized I looked like an idiot, a fool, spiritually. Because in Christ, that doesn't impress anybody. It's a fragrance supernaturally that flows out of you when you have the Lord in you. But that's how a lot of us walk in through that door. We're spiritually sick. And what do we do with those new people that come? Think about the examples that I gave you. The woman with the issue of blood, Mary Magdalene, all those things. Are we religious Christians or are we truly walking with the cross in our hearts and in our lives, reaching the lost and embracing them and hugging, you know, who we have to hug and treating and loving who we have to love with wisdom, not bashing them over the head right away. We need to treat new believers with wisdom, understanding. Some religious Christians will bombard a brand new person in the Lord. I said that earlier, and I want to close with that part as far as the first group of people. 
to remember who you were when you first came here as well, when you were brand new, and how you would have wanted to be treated when you walked into this house for the first time. Now, seasons Christians, second group of people, and I think I'm talking to most of them now here in the small group that we have. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Really quick, let's go there. <clears throat> For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. So if you're still drinking milk, you're a babe. Verse 14. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What that verse is saying is that by now you have left milk. You should have left milk after a certain point in your life. You're no longer baby Javier, Hector and Daisy's baby. Now you're a little older, right? Nicole, right? Now you can eat a little bit more solid food. And then after that, a little older, you start chewing. Then you start digesting. Now you get to a point, you're a teenager, you can eat whatever you want and you don't get fat. Then you get older, like me, you can eat whatever you want, but you don't eat whatever you want because then you can get really messed up. And so that talks about the basics, eating the word of God only, staying away from the junk food, which is the garbage out there, and having matured in Christ at that point. Yeah, you've got, you should have gotten to the point as a believer in Christ where when that new person walks in, you're not a religious person with them. You're not going to slap them over the head with verses, do's and don'ts, and all this stuff. You're going to say, hey, how are you? Welcome. God bless you. Nice to meet you. So what brought you here today? Oh, well, come on in. I hope you enjoy the service. Let's talk afterwards. Treat them with hospitality. Treat them with respect. Treat them with honor. Even if they look different, act different, remember, they're coming from the world. They were in the world. They're brand new, guys. You can't expect them to act like you if they just showed up yesterday. Right? So that's what we're trying to say here. So seasoned Christians, listen to this. Our group of people have entered the church, left the milk, and have moved on to solid food. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. And I'm reminded of this group because now this is where we really need to step it up as this church grows into the next level. As we grow into the next level as a church. This is where we have entered into the relationship, not religion. Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 through 14. We, as, the, as, as mature people of God, need to grow up and stop um, preaching and start living it. So uh, the thing is, we're, we're preaching it and we're not living it. Because we can say a, a thousand scriptures, but if we're not living what we need to live, then we're, we're missing the mark. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue. This is talking of, of, about a group of religious people. And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they had asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand and stretch it out. And it was restored, 
whole as the other. So what did Jesus do? He healed on the Sabbath. All the Pharisees, all the religious people there, they were freaking out. They were saying right there, no, how can you do that? Ah. They wanted to die because Jesus was doing something that was unlawful. It was a religious act. And so Jesus is not a religion. He is a relationship. He is truth. He is love. He wants to come into your life and be a part of your life. And so the thing is, now we as mature people of God need to grow up and stop acting religious. You will bring people to Christ by your example. Some of us are too busy trying to judge to fix other people's issues when we have an onslaught of our own troubles. We're so busy trying to judge who is and who isn't doing what, and we're so caught up into trying to fix everybody else's affairs when we ourselves need to take a good look at our own selves and say, what are we about? What am I doing here in this church? What is the vision of this church? Did God call me to this church? This is a house where we are trying to do something for God. We have been called to a specific purpose and a specific vision, and it's to change the world. When, we, when our pastor received that vision from God to change the world, and he was talking like that several years ago, people were looking at him like if he was crazy. And then I remember that movie, Evan Almighty, came, came out. Change the world. And, 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 and then we were, it made a little bit more sense, the, the, the word. But when he first said it, it was so foreign and so crazy. And yeah, right, you're crazy. That now, I think most churches in America are using the same change the world quote. And I want to stand up here today and say our pastor was one of the first that I know to have said change the world. I'm going to tell you that right now. And why is it that our church has 300 members and not 10,000? Here's why. Ready for this? This is my opinion, okay? And I've been here long enough to voice my opinion, is that since we are going to change the world and we have come into the solid food and maturity of Christ and have grown in wisdom throughout the years, we have understood that playing church is not going to help anybody. It's going to increase numbers, but it's not going to help people's spiritual condition. So either we're going to tell somebody after they just had a big plate of rice and beans, that they have a frijol on their tooth and tell them the truth? Or are we going to just let them smile with the frijol there and not say anything to them? So we tell people the truth, they get upset, they get embarrassed, and they leave. Period. And there really isn't anything else to say about that, but that's the way it is. And this is the God's honest truth. We've seen so many families come and go. It's because we have not tolerated the things, the wishy-washy. And that... I'm, I'm just telling you how it is black and white without all the Smithers and Withers scripture or the mystical poems. It is, that's exactly the truth. And, you know, you can talk to those people today. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, people. And some of us are too busy trying to judge and fix other people's issues. We need to focus on what we need to do. I always tell couples when they come to me in Suleika with trouble and problems, this is what we say to them for the first time when we get to know them, we hear them, we hear their testimony, why they came to us and how we could help them. We always tell them, listen, go tomorrow, start brand new, right? All old things have gone away in Corinthians 5.17. Behold, all things have been made new. And here's the thing, you get a new beginning in Christ because he's in the business of new beginnings. And now when you go into your marriage, focus on what you need to do for you. Focus on what Christ wants you to do. 
your part. Whether or not the other person is or isn't doing their part. If you live your life like that, man, you're going to slam dunk it every time. Because if we live our life, the thing is, we're too focused on what other people are or aren't doing. We need to focus on what we need to do, whether the other person is doing it or not. Okay, so at this point, we should be walking in God's fullness of wisdom and God's grace. I'm amazed at some Christians that can't come to the full maturity in Christ. They act as if they're doing us a favor by coming to church. Some of us show up here, and we show up because we think if we don't, the pastor's going to call us and ask us, why didn't we come? Some of us come that they've been hearing the gospel long enough to know now, by now, that you don't come to church for me, you don't come to church for other people, you come to church for yourself, man. You don't come because somebody called you and said, hey, don't forget, there's church tonight. Yeah, there is a period, a grace period for that. There is a season for that, that people have to remind you to come and hey, and you give them that time. I know that it took me about a year or so to get it together. But once I got it going, once you've come to that solid food and you've come to the maturity of Christ, if you miss a service, man, that's on you. It's not, you're not doing us any favors by coming here. And some Christians have an attitude that when they show up to church, they did us a favor by showing up. And, man, that is a sick attitude. I didn't even know that people thought that way until I've been hearing people's response in their heart based on, on, you know, these things that I'm telling you. So I'm not making this up. This is actual truths of how people think. The way that we have here in this church and what, we're, what I'm trying to impart to you here tonight, the vision here is that we want to have the standard of Christ. We don't want the standard of man, which is down here. We have raised the bar to where it needs to be. And there is a grace period. I remember a new couple that they came to church for the first time, and they were like, man, I've been hearing the pastor on Sunday say that if I don't have it together to leave, don't come back. And they were like, man, I'm scared we're going to get kicked out. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Listen, pastor is talking to God's people, to his church. And, yes, there will come a time where you need to grow up. And there's a lot of recycled Christians out there that just want to do what they want to do, and they have not come to grow up. They still go out and have a drink with their buddy, and they've been a Christian for 10 years. They still go out and smoke a cigarette, yeah. They still cuss at work. They still show each other nasty jokes on their iPhones. They still see videos and all kinds of stuff. They still cheat, lie, and steal to make an extra buck at work. That's not the standard that we have here in this place. Maybe that's why we have 300 members and not 10,000. Because we tell you how it is. We love you. It's not, don't take it in a bad way, is that that's what we've been called to. We can't change the world by being like everybody else and all the other churches out there. The vision is, is to walk, act, smell, and be like Christ. Too often, amen. Too often we have seen ministers' daughters end up pregnant. Amen? It's true. We have seen too often ministers' sons go out there and they end up looking like rock stars instead of like men of God. You know what I mean? And they call themselves Christians. What do you want for your kids, for your family, for your future? There's 100 million churches out there, guys. I'm telling you what this place is about. We will not tolerate, Jesus will not tolerate here because this is the vision. This is what we've been called to. 
I didn't put myself here in this church. Trust me. God put me and my family here. That's why I've been walking here for so many years. Do I agree on everything? No, but I'm not called to agree. I'm called to honor and be obedient and serve because there's promotion and obedience. You'll learn that as you get older in the Lord. If you just listen to the voice of God, listen to the heart of God in this place, I'm telling you, you will soar to another dimension in your Christian walk with the Lord. But you need to grow up and start eating the solid food. You are no longer that person that is brand new or that is drinking milk or that smells or that Joey doesn't want to give a hug because of his thing. You're not that person anymore. You now look good, right? At least by the outer, God has done a work in you. You know scripture. Man, you can get up here and preach ten times better than me by now. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a heart that is surrendered to the Lord fully in his thing. So by this time, we should be walking on the light of Christ. Let's go really quick, and I have to finish soon. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. <clears throat> and going back to the obedience really quick, this is where we need to be by now as mature Christians in Christ. This is where we need to be. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said to him, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For am I, now listen to this clincher, this is the main part, for I also am a man under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. The centurion was telling Jesus, listen, Jesus, all you have to do is speak the word. You don't even need to come because I understand authority. I understand obedience. See, you can't have any authority unless you yourself are under an authority. And by the time you have come to eat, so eating solid food and into the maturity of Christ, you need to walk in this light. You need to be able to serve, follow, and be obedient to another authority before Christ will entrust you with any other authority on your own. I love it when the, I, I've heard it said, when I hear testimonies, a college group and other people, that Spring of Life uh, members make the best employees. I, my boss tells me, man, you are like my favorite. You tell, I ask you anything and you do it. And I'm like, man, I'm trained. <laughs> I, I'm trained. I don't question authority. I do what I got to do. And I'm blessed. And, and you know what? It blesses me. God has blessed me so much because of my obedience in my own natural job with worldly people because it's a principle that works here in the scripture. And we see that. Now, verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. Look at the blessing of obedience. Ready for this? When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, even, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into our outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so it will be done for you. And his servant was? healed the same hour because of his understanding the centurion he had faith he was under authority he understood authority he was an obedient man to others 
And so he said, Christ, I, I, I know who you, I understand, I get you. So I'm going to come to your authority, just say the word, and I'll grab your authority, and my servant will be healed. And that's exactly what it was. I'm blessed also by this. Um, I'm going to give you two quick testimonies, practical things that have happened to me recently because of God's obedience in my life. And it's just worldly stuff that is insignificant, but it's so powerful. The first one is in December. It was a week before Christmas, and I was out shopping with my daughter Zoe, and she wanted to get her mom and her brother a, a Christmas present. So I said, okay, let's do that. I got to do the same thing. So we went out, and, and then Suleika took Joseph, and they went their way. So we separated that day, and, man, I, we went shopping, and Zoe, was, she loves them all. And we had a blast, and we went. We had lunch at Johnny Rockets and the whole thing. We got the presents wrapped, and we had a great time. But Dad was tired. I was ready to go home. And I'm on my way home, and it was a long day, and Suleika calls me and says, Joey, you have to go to 107th and Sunset by Navarro because Disney people are there with a tent. And my mom says that she really wants us to go. She's really adamant about us going. And I'm like, no way. I can't, babe. This is get Disney. Chicas, see, Disney no regalan. They don't give away anything, Disney people. What do you mean, Disney? And I was like, no, I'm not going to go. And so we hung up the phone, and, man, the conviction of God came into my heart. Because that's my mother-in-law, and I respect her. And it was, it was insignificant. It was just something that the Lord knows where I was coming from at that moment. And so I said, okay. And I stopped, and I made the U-turn. And Zoe's looking at me like, Daddy, where are we going? I'm like, we're going to Disney. I didn't know what I was saying. I honestly didn't even know what that Disney thing was about, to be honest. I was doing it out of obedience to my mother-in-law. And because she was really adamant about us going, as Suleika says. So I called Suleika back, and she goes, okay, I'll meet you there. Long story short, we go, we play this little game, and we ended up winning four seasonal passes, annual passes, to Disney for the whole year for free. And that was, I know it was because of God's obedience. If I would have not been obedient to my mother-in-law, no Disney. And so that's, that's pretty much that testimony. Second, today another act of obedience, right? Joseph hurt his arm, my son, um, playing baseball, and he's been hurting, complaining that when he throws, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, little leaguer's arm, and I was already freaking out. He doesn't pitch or anything, but I got scared, and so I said, Lord, what are we going to do about this arm? So I called this doctor, Dr. Uribe. He's supposed to be the best sports medicine doctor around town, and they don't take our insurance, so I was like bummed. I'm like, ah, so I called Suleika, and I'm like, look, take him to that new hospital in West Kendall. Why? I don't know. It was the Holy Spirit. Suleika, take Joseph out of school early and take him to the hospital. Not later. Not now. Take him out of school and take him to that new hospital out in West Kendall. It's brand new. There's probably no wait, and you can have him back to school in a couple hours. So she does it. She shows up to the hospital. They get through the emergency room, the whole thing. The sports medicine doctor that works you tell me if it was a coincidence. He's part of the Uribe group, was there at the hospital. And he ends up showing up to the emergency room, and he ends up treating Joseph. They take the x-ray, they take the insurance, and they did the whole thing. Ehma, that they, they had such a good experience at the hospital that Joseph was like, man, I want to come back. And Suleika's like, no, you don't want to come back to this place. Never are you coming back to the hospital. Don't ever say that again. But it was a blessing, and we got the top-notch treatment. Joseph didn't want to leave school because they were having a party. It was Dr. Zeus Day. And they were having a thing at, at school. But because of 
my wife could have said, no, I don't want to take him out of school today. How many wives could have done that? No, I'm not going to take him out of school. He's missed too much school. I don't want to. There was no questions, man. In my house, we understand obedience. You know why I have authority? You know why my wife obeyed me the first time? Because I myself am under authority. That's how she's able to listen to me. And so she was able to come under that authority. She was obedient. She took him to the hospital. And what a blessing. Okay, they don't take our insurance. Well, that doctor ended up being at that hospital, and they took our insurance. Our copay, I think, was 10 bucks. You can't beat that. And so those are two quick testimonies of once you come from the elementary teachings and you stop drinking milk, you're no longer that person that just came in here. You're the one that's eating solid food. You're the one that needs to have compassion, love to the new people. Remember where you came from and treat those people with the same honor and respect. Okay? So wrapping up, another thing, a, a little quick testimony is that I'm reminded, uh, uh, another thing of obedience is that I'm reminded also of Nick, Nick Molina. And this is powerful. And, you know, he just got off of a basketball season and and, I, and I've been an athlete all my life. My son plays sports. And the other day, his team had just won a really important game. And we were on the phone, and, and my son was in the car. And I think Suleika was talking to Yvette. I don't know how it went down, but all I, I think we were together. I don't know how it went down. But all I know is that he had asked if he can go eat pizza to celebrate with the team. And I think the mother said to him, no, you can't. Dad wants you to go home. And we heard him, and he wasn't come on, but please let me go. The kid was like, okay, no problem. He didn't argue. He didn't patear. He didn't say anything. He was obedient, and he went home. And, I, and, and Joseph was hearing that, and, and my kids were hearing that, and, and it was a blessing to see the level of obedience from a teenage boy that that must have been super hard for him not to be able to go and celebrate with his team to eat pizza when his dad said no and everybody else yes. How many of us as teenagers without God coming from the world, stinky and smelly, would have said, no, come on, how could you do that to me? I hate you. You're ruining my life. No. This teenage boy was amen. And so those are the type of kids, that's the type of place I want my kids to be around. This is the type of house that we live in, guys. Don't despise it. Embrace it. Honor it. Don't take it for granted. Know where you are. You're in a good place. We're not perfect. We're not robots. We're humans. We make mistakes. But for the most part, man, we are changing the world. This is a world-changing church. That's why we are who we are and we do what we do. So we are called, to, and, to, and to close, we are called to have wisdom, come together both new and old Christians, and be the world-changing church God has called us to. Let's stand tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you so much for this word. I thank you, Lord, that I was able to have this opportunity to impart God's truths of the two types of people that who we once were and who we are today, and that you will give us the wisdom on both sides, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you will just touch the hearts of your people, touch the hearts, Father God, of those who are going to come here for the first time, that, Father, we can look at them through the lens the same way you looked at the Samaritan woman, the same way you looked at... The, the woman with the issue of blood, Mary Magdalene, the same way you looked at us, God, that we will look at those new people the same way, Father, and that, Lord, we can grow up and start being 
the men and women of God you have called us to in this place. That we can be full of wisdom. That we can eat solid food and be able to digest it the way you want us to, Lord. That we can act the way that you want us to act. Not so much with preaching all the time, but the way we act, Lord, and live our lives. That we will embrace that lost person with just the joy and the love that you have given us, Father. I pray right now, Father, that if there's anyone in here tonight, Lord, that has been around for a long time, Father, and that they have been serving and honoring you, that, Father, if they have fallen short or they feel inadequate or they feel that they haven't been able to measure up to the standard that you have called them to, that, Father, that that you will meet them where they're at tonight, that they can make amends with you, Father, that they can just come before your cross tonight and say, Lord, here I am. Use me, mold me, break me the way you need to use me, Father. I just ask, Father God, that you will just bless them, Father, as we sing this song, that we will meditate on your word and we will meditate on this message.